In the fall each year we all congregate The mouth all gathered at the church of Hillgate The scriptures reading from the book of Monson Our favorite verse, my God, a freshman Drunk and obnoxious, what Georgia faith Ain't nothing finer in the land Now the 3,000 of our best friends It's Saturday and that thing Welcome to the Saturday in Athens podcast. I'm Herschel Gurley, here as always with my co-host, Boss Dog, and we are joined tonight by our special guest, uh, 7-6 Apparel's Chase Kelly. Chase, what's up, man? Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. I uh, always like to get on these things and talk dogs, so uh, uh, obviously I'm, I'm pretty happy this week coming off that win in, uh, against Tennessee, living up here in Nashville. Um, I'm enjoying this week for sure, uh, going into this big game with Alabama, but yeah, man, I'm looking forward to, to chatting with you guys and then uh, breaking down this game. Yeah, man, well, we're excited to have you. Well, first off, why don't you uh, tell us a little bit about the uh, the seven six origin story? Tell me, tell us how that all came to be, and uh, talk to us specifically about all the the awesome dogs apparel that y'all have. Yeah, so uh, a couple buddies and I we uh, we got together one night, and um, he one of the guys was in graphic design. Uh, with his father and uh, my parents owned a sporting goods store. So I kind of knew the ins and outs of of sporting goods and t-shirt creation and all that. Um, And when the Preds were making their run in the Stanley cup playoffs a couple years ago, um, we just kept seeing all these homemade Preds shirts at watch parties and they were so bad. And we just kind of thought, man, I bet we could make a few of those like, you know, a partner, he could design one if I, you know, gave him the, the ideas and stuff like that. So we, we designed a couple, we put them on Etsy. They sold, Designed some more, put them on Etsy. They sold. Then it was football season, and and it was 2007 season. So obviously Georgia's taken off, and we did some keep chopping shirts. They sold well. Then we did, you know, some other shirts, and and now it's our full time jobs. Um, so we've been really blessed with um, the ability to uh, grow this thing. And a lot of people don't realize we do more corporate and wholesale business than anything. So most people know us as like a fan site and, you know, rightfully so with, with the website and all the content we have. Um, but more than anything, we do a lot of corporate apparel, wholesale stuff, merchandising, host stores for charities, organizations, that sort of thing. Um, so, yeah, if, if you need a logo of any kind, whether it's paper print on a garment, on a hat, on a shirt, whatever, we can handle it. Uh, but yeah, that, that's how it got started. It was just kind of an idea on a couple cocktail napkins for the Nashville Predators, and then it turned into uh, jobs for us, which is awesome. Um, but yeah, we're we're tremendously blessed, and we're excited about the direction things are going. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Obviously, Boston are big fans. Uh, you know, Rock Hill stuff as much as we can. I'm I'm wearing the Eat awesome. More I'm wearing the Eat More Gator shirt tonight. Um, okay, although, good. although after the news today, I don't know if anybody wants to be eating Gator right now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I know. Uh, in the hospital. For yeah, a bit. that's right. That's right. Yeah. So, um, well, yeah, man. We we like I said, we love the brand, and obviously, you know, have everybody go and and buy as many dogs related shirts as they can. Y'all got some awesome stuff. I love the stuff y'all did with the red pants and, and playing off of that, and um, j- just some awesome stuff. If y'all had any interaction with like any of the players, like reach out and be like, you know stuff like that former players do they see us on twitter and instagram so we we uh we have a pretty good following from former players 
Um, we kind of try and stay away from the current players. Yeah. Like, yeah. Reach. Obviously, we don't reach out to them at all. Uh, their families have bought stuff for sure. Um, and then a couple of years ago for the SEC championship game, um, just about every single one of the players' parents uh, bought some shirts from us that had um, a design they came up with on the front and then the name and number of their player on the back. Miko Hardman's uh, family organized that. And uh, it had to have been probably 200-and-something shirts. Like, uh, you know, the, all the families got them, and they wore them to the SEC championship game. So that was really a, a cool moment to go to that game and see a whole section of parents in the shirts that you printed that week. Um, but yeah, former players, they, uh, they absolutely, uh, love it. Um, several of them become really good friends of ours through this venture. Um, but, but, uh, yeah, we definitely have a lot of support from, from former players for sure. That's cool. Well, we'll, uh, we'll link everything in our show notes. We'll link y'all social stuff and we'll also link, um, the link to y'all site so people can just have easy access to go check everything out. Um, but that's cool, man. I know you're a, you're a true blue dogs fan, so. I know it's got to be cool to kind of have a little bit of a hand in, in the swag side of it. So that that's cool, man. Yeah, well, sure. Hey, uh, we're having here to talk some ball cause we know you're, you're keen to do that. So um, I guess first thing I want to talk to you boys about was obviously one of the, the topics in the lead up to the game last week was Jeremy Pruitt getting asked at his press conference about the general competitiveness of sec head coaches. And he says, I don't know, but I'm just going to tell y'all this Kirby smarts. The only person I've ever played golf with that finds his ball every single time. And so that obviously starts yeah. off the deal where Kirby comes back and says, I don't play golf with 25 plus handicaps, which is just an A plus line on so many levels. But with the golf theme, I did find it interesting that the, uh, the rushing total for Tennessee was, was under par. They were, they were minus one for the, for the afternoon. So I did find yeah. that a little bit fitting. Um, well, I guess first things first, like Chase, what were your takeaways from, the game against Tennessee in particular, but then uh, as we're three games into the season, what have your takeaways been from the dogs thus far? Yeah, the Tennessee game, um, obviously the first thing that comes to mind is um, the dominant second half. Well, for me, that's what comes to mind because I was, I was so elated that we won. Um, but, you know, you want to see them put two halves together eventually. Um, you know, Arkansas, slow start. Auburn was a fast start, kind of slow in the second half. That that may have been a little bit by design, knowing that Auburn wasn't going to do anything. Uh, but then the Tennessee game was a slow start too. And, and uh, you know, I, I was at the game and I just kept thinking, you know, if we want to take this game over, we'll take it over. Um, because Tennessee, they weren't moving the ball, period. They weren't moving the ball in the first half. They, they definitely didn't move it in the second half. You know, we gave them a couple of things in the first half. And uh, obviously, we gave them literally seven to start the game off. Yep. But even those other two touchdowns, you know, they were gifts with Pickens, um, personal foul, um, going for it on on fourth and inches, uh, right there, giving them the ball back on the thirty-five. Now, the credit to Tennessee, they made the plays and scored the touchdowns. Uh, but I think if we punt and play defense there, they're not moving the ball, they're not scoring. Um, in my mind, that was a game that that probably could have been like thirty-five to ten. Um, forty-two to ten. I mean, we we controlled that game. It was it was clear who was the better team. Um, even at halftime, you know, just looking at the halftime numbers, we were dominating that game. And it wasn't until Georgia got in the mental mindset of we're going to put this thing away, did it get put away. So that's kind of what I want to see moving forward. I don't know if this is the week that that that'll happen. Um, I know if we don't play two good halves of ball, we're not going to win this week. Um, 
But I'm still waiting, and I think we all are, waiting on two full halves from Georgia um, because it shows you – Kirby said it. He says, you know, that second half shows you what we can be. Um, and so it's exciting to think about if we do that for four quarters, uh, what that'll look like. Yeah, the interesting part for me with Saturday, obviously just about the funkiest start you could imagine, right? I mean, you come out, yeah. have a good positive play on first down, and then Trey Hill sets the Guinness Book of World Records for long snaps. Um, I mean, I almost don't think he could do that twice if he wanted to. And then, you know, Boss and I talked about this over the phone, but I think Stetson was, you know, obviously have to run so far and maybe it's his momentum or whatever. But I think that the thing there's, hey, let's just fall on it and let's just punt, right? Like just take the loss yeah. and punt and then we'll just rely on the defense. And I just think momentum wise, everybody was kind of a little frazzled after that. Like it was just, I mean, what, there was 14 minutes and 12 seconds left or something like that when that oh, happened. Yeah. Second, yeah, second play of the game. It, I mean, that that stuff, you know, it, it takes time to to flush it. It takes time to get rid of it. And you can kind of see it lingered for a little bit. It, I mean, it was pretty dead in the stadium. Granted, there's a quarter of the people there, but it was, I mean, it was dead uh, there for the entire first quarter. Um, but, but you just, you just kind of just watching it, you could tell that Georgia's the superior team here and, and, and it'll be over as soon as they say this game is over. And for whatever reason, it took them until, you know, midway through the third quarter. But, but when they said it's over, it was quite impressive because it was absolutely over. That's been the interesting thing about this season so far is, like you've said, it hasn't really been a, two full halves of play in any of the three games, but kind of harken back to at least the 2007 season after Notre Dame, where as a fan, I just never had a feeling they were going to lose. It always felt like regardless of what was going on, like they're going to win. Like I, I just had that feeling. And this season is the first time I've felt that way again, which is, yeah. is, is weird in a lot of ways because you would think with Stetson playing quarterback and, um, not having what you would think is like a premier guy at that position, maybe it'd be more unsettled. But I think for me, he's brought some almost continuity to that position and the, the guys seem to be behind him. I do think he has a little bit of panache and a little bit of swagger that they all kind of respect. And I think that's good. Um, and, I, you know, I, we've talked about this on our air, but I, Kyrus Jackson, I think, is is the story of the young season for Georgia thus far. I mean, his emergence sure. has been unbelievable, whether it be at the receiver position or the things he's done on special teams. I mean, he's been he's been fantastic. And to have a guy like that also be in a leadership role is incredible. Well, I, we, we got to ask you about, I mean, how, if you were there Saturday, that's what you said? Yeah, I was there. So how was it? I mean, what was it like in this environment? Tell, tell the listeners what, what the experience was like. Um. It was definitely different. Um, I've been to a bunch of games, and uh, I've been to several G Day games, and it was it was similar to a G Day um, atmosphere. Whereas, you know, in G Day, they don't let you utilize the whole stadium; they they keep you kind of in the lower levels. Um, so, with them using the whole stadium, it kind of gives you more of a game day feel. But the the volume level and the uh, and you can just hear everything that happens on the field. Um, it's more like a G day. The, the str- it's not that different when you're in there. It really isn't. It's uh, it's kind of like the second half against like Vandy or, right. or somebody like that. Um, it, you know, in in a normal setting. Um, so it's not that different. What's really different is being on campus, downtown. Um, all the spots that you're used to seeing slammed with people, tents, tailgates, that sort of thing. There is not a soul out. I mean, nothing. I thought there would be a few tailgates. I thought there would be some 
clusters of people in parking lots, you know, tailgating. Um, there's nothing. I mean, there all the places you're used to seeing things for, for over the years. There is nobody there. Um, we actually parked in the parking deck uh, next to the to the Tate Center, right where the dog walk is. Yeah, and there was maybe it, it, it filled up eventually, but there was maybe like six or eight cars that had you know their tailgate down and, and some people mingling around. Um, there was just nothing going on outside the stadium. That was the weirdest thing. Cause you kind of felt like you were there for like a baseball game or something. Um, it, it was, that was definitely different. But once you get in there and the, uh, the music is going, the lights are on, the band's playing, all of those things feel definitely normal. It's just a smaller crowd. And, uh, I'm not gonna lie. The space that you have is really nice. Yeah. Um, concession lines were, were great. Uh, there was no line to go to the restroom or anything like that. Um, so that was nice, but, um, the weirdest thing was, was for sure outside the stadium more than anything. That's extremely interesting. That was one of the things that boss and I've talked about, you know, all through the summer and in the lead up to this is that it, if it is one of these, you know, limited fan situations, what the tailgate situation would look like. And and the, the thing we had talked about was, you know, I feel like for a lot of people, they set their watch by this, right? It's like, it's an event. Um, it's something oh, yeah. that, that rhythmically that you go to during the year, no different than say like a beach vacation or something like that. And I, I had said, and obviously I was wrong, but I had said, you know, I bet people are going to go just to be there and kind of feel the atmosphere. So that's so wild. That was going to be my next question was what, what Athens was like. I mean, in, in a lot of ways, man, it, it just makes you sad, right? Because there's so many businesses that Definitely. rely on that economically and need that push and need that driver from football weekends. And, you know, they were already going to take a hit anyways because they're used to seven or eight of those and you're only getting, what, four? four. Yeah. 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 So, I mean. A lot of the bars were, sorry to cut you off, a lot of the a lot of the bars were charging like 30 and $40 covers. Wow. Um, and, and everybody had a line to get in just because there's so much, you know, social distancing that goes on in there. Um, but yeah, so they're trying to make back that money through covers, you know, when you got 20 people in line to get in a place at $30 a pop, you know, that, and that's just, that's just at one moment. So if it's like that, you know, for a night game or something like that, and it's constantly that way, you know, maybe they're getting some money back that way, but, uh, you know, they're definitely obviously feeling that, that impact and they're trying to get it back however they can. So, um, yeah, it was, it was a weird, weird deal to see. Cause you're used to seeing the lines and stuff like that, but you know, $30 covers to get into a college bar is like, you know, New Year's Eve stuff in, in like Nashville or something. Right. Right. Man, that's crazy. Well, you know, I guess the good things is the positive you try to take from it is we're, we're having it right. Like at least it's, yeah, it's happening. Sure. And, um, you know, obviously news coming out the last, I guess, 24 to 36 hours that SEC is going to have its first definite cancellation. Um, Bandy's game is is not going to happen this weekend. And then, I mean, Florida's pausing football activities on a Tuesday. It makes you think they're probably not going to play their game on Saturday. I mean, there's been no official announcement as of the right. time we, we came on the tape, but... I just, you know, I can't imagine that's a quick turnaround. I, you know, the numbers have varied. I guess the initial reports where they had five positive tests and then maybe some guy tweets out that they were 19 and, you know, how do you know what's true? Yeah. But, um, so, yeah, that's something to watch. Luckily, the dogs haven't been affected by it. And Kirby was asked about it today and said, look, we think Ron does a good job and we're doing everything that we can. But 
you know, the, the, the worry that they have is, and I think it'd be the worry that anybody would have is look, we, we don't know what they're doing Saturday night to Monday morning, you know, he's a, so, yeah. um, I, I think this is part of it for this year is I think from a leadership group perspective, you just got to have guys that go, look, fellas, like we just kind of got to lock it in until we get through these 10 games, get to Atlanta, play in a title game and, and then start the playoffs. Cause there's something bigger there and you hope everybody buys in on that. Um, right. Well, let's let's talk about this week. I mean, obviously, this is a big one, right? I mean, it it, it would have been a big one during the, a normal season. It's still massive now. Two versus three. Game day is going to be in Tuscaloosa. Um, dogs haven't played there since 07, the Mikey Henderson overtime game. Um, obviously, tons and tons of scar tissue for Dogs fans, maybe even some open wounds still for Dogs fans. I mean, uh whether it be 2012 or whether it be 2017, 2018, you even throw 2015 in there. Um, just a lot of, I mean, a lot of, a lot of bad times. Um, yeah. So I just think there's a lot of skeletons there. Um, and hopefully, obviously different teams, right? I think Seth Emerson did an article today just talking about the number of guys that are still on the roster that were on the team in 17 and on the team in 18. And it's different teams, right? But there's history there, and it's still Kirby and, and Coach Saban. So uh, Kirby's trying to – I think I heard somebody on CBS call it the Coach Saban assistant graveyard. Uh, he's trying to get <laughs> out of that and, and get intact that, yeah. that first victory. So what are, I guess what are your general thoughts on the game this weekend? What, what do you feel good about and what, what gives you pause? Well, I think it's definitely the two best teams in the SEC right now. Um, you know, I, I think that um, it's time for Georgia to show up and win this game. Um, I saw a graphic today. You guys may have seen it, too, where it's got, you know, the, the defenses with the fewest uh, touchdowns allowed, um, you know, over the last four or five years in the league. And Georgia was at like 28 and the next one was uh, or 29 and the next one was Alabama at 46 and then Kentucky at like 47. And it's just like, I mean, that that says a lot right there. Like we're the more physical team. We're the team with the better defense. Um, it, it's time to go out and win this game. Um, it's time. I mean, we've, we've got the same guys that Alabama recruited. Um, we've got the formula uh, to a degree as far as, you know, the process, the coaches, we've got their, you know, hype guy. We've got Scott Cochran now. Uh, it's time for Georgia to win this game is the way I look at it. Um, having said that, um, it's a little bit of house money for me um, after beating Tennessee and Florida losing in the same day. Um, we're, we're more than likely going to have to play these guys twice. Uh, it's hard to beat them once. It's going to be hard to beat them twice. So I'm, I'm not going to go into this game and say, you know, if we don't win this game, like I'm going to be so mad and you know punch my TV. Um, but it, it's time for Georgia to win this game. Uh, you know, we've beat them 119 out of 120 minutes the last two games. Yep. Uh, so we can beat these guys. We can play with them. Um, we, we've got the better defense, um, and, and it's just going to, you know, that, that's the matchup everybody wants to talk about is the, the best offense versus the best defense. But to me, it comes down to, um, it comes down to Georgia's offense. Is it going to be a, uh, you know, a, a, a conservative, uh, no mistake offense, or are they going to cut it loose? Um, because I, like I said, with it being a little bit of house money, I think you go cut it loose. I think you see what you've got and, and let it hang out. I mean, you know, Stetson has shown that that he has a good command of the offense. Karis Jackson's emerging, like you mentioned. You, we got to get Pickens involved more. Yep. You know, he's got to do more than run two routes. 
Um, he's got to get, you know, in, inside maybe, you know, get, get a, a, a better release uh, to where somebody's not up on him and necessarily shading him too. Um, you got to figure out how to get one involved. Um, because I, as much as Karis Jackson has been a big uh, component to this offense so far, I'm not sure that we can just will ourselves to victory going, you know, 13 to 10, you know, Bennett to, to Karis Jackson the whole game. You, we're going to have to get George Pickens involved. Um, having said that, we, you know, three's got to get going. Zamir White's got to get going. Um, it, it, it's he's had plenty of carries to to show that he can be the guy, um, and I think if he gets off to a tough start again, I think you got to give it to uh, to Kenny McIntosh and get um, you know Kendall Milton involved because I think that they are guys that show hey we'll go get those tough yards we'll get outside um, you know they they seem to be a little bit more diverse in their skill set. Uh, I really like Kenny McIntosh. Um, I, I think that he's a guy that, that Georgia can lean on in the run game. Um, but for me, like I said, it, it's Georgia's offense and Alabama's defense. They're vulnerable. They have been for a couple years now. Uh, why not us? We get, we got guys on the outside that can exploit them. We've got the offensive line that can move them. We've got backs that can run it. Like It's time for Georgia's offense to not be – conservative and and let it loose and um, I don't mean conservative in the fact that you know run the ball 30 times or or whatever you know obviously I don't want us to go out there and just you know throw it 60 times and have three interceptions Um, but you got nothing to lose you know let it hang out Um, and I think Munkin has done a great job of designing good plays there seems to be a guy open if not multiple guys open yep. every time we drop back, which is so different than we've seen the last three years. Yep. Uh, everything we've done was a hitch, a back shoulder, you know, something like that. Munkin's getting guys open. He's designing plays. He's, he's, he's doing a great job in my opinion. I think it's time to cut it loose and uh, go play ball because everybody's watching. We got to have this one from a, I think from a respect standpoint, more than like a, a standing standpoint. You know, truthfully, the the game next week against Kentucky is probably a little bit more important. Um, like I said, we're going to have to beat these guys twice, more than likely. So, go out there and let it hang out, and that's what I want to see. I want to see Georgia attack Alabama's defense because they are they are vulnerable. Um, I want to see Georgia's offense um, have a day, and uh, the defense is going to be there. I have no no worries about the defense. I think if we can get to twenty four, we got a chance to win. So I've been stewing on this since 2018. Uh, my brother and I were at the game in Atlanta. Um, dogs obviously go up early, just controlled that football game. And I'll be honest with you, inside uh, the Benz that night, Atlanta's, I mean, uh, Alabama's not just their sideline, but like their fans, they, they were they were just, they looked dead. I mean, there was no emotion. Yep. It, it looked like they were resigned to the fact that they were going to lose. And I, this is just something I felt and it's something I feel still is present. I think there is part of a culture change, and Kirby has already done this from a personnel perspective. He's already done it within the building, so I'm not worried about that. But part of a culture change is the entire environment around the program, fans included, starting to believe that you are excellent and that Mm -hmm. you are going to win. And even when Georgia was up in that game, we were sitting amongst tons of Georgia fans. They were all nervous Nellies. Oh, yeah. my God, what's going to happen? How are we going to blow this? Well, that 
<laughs> that's symptomatic of the whole thing. And that has to change. And beating them is the first step. And, and I'm with you. I, I, I absolutely agree. This is a house money game. Go out and just let it fly. As Kirby would say, cut your ass loose. This is that game, <laughs> yeah. okay? Yeah. I mean, there is no reason for them not to come out and be loose, to have fun, fly to the football, and just do what they do. Because to your point, Florida losing the AM, it, it takes all the pressure out because yeah. they they control their destiny regardless of whether they beat Alabama or not. It, to Correct. get to get to Atlanta, and if they win in Atlanta, they're going to the playoff regardless of what happens Saturday. But I do think that culturally, and from a program perspective, and from everybody attached to the program—fans, donors, everybody—they need to win because it's a step that the program needs to take. Somebody has to, you know, put the needle in the guy on the mountaintop a little bit. I feel like in a lot of ways. Saban is almost seen as well. He's unbeatable and nobody can beat him. And look, he, he's awesome. I, it drives me nuts when people are like, Oh, I hate, I hate Nick Saban. Why do you hate him? Cause you're not him. I'm, look, it, it, I'm going to tell you something. If he wanted to come to Georgia before Kirby came, I would have jumped on board. Hell yeah. Come on, Nick. We'll have you baby. I, I want to be no excellent question. too. We'll, we'll be in for the process. Like you got to love what he's done in Tuscaloosa and admire it, but to be the best, you got to beat the best. And, and he is unquestionably the best. So, for me, it's about that. That's what Saturday is, and that's why yeah, I want totally to see him do that. Um, the flip side of that is I thought Kirby said something extremely interesting today. He got asked about the offense, and because you know everybody's going, well, look, Lane, Lane Kiffin's offense did all this, and Kirby was clear to say, look, we are not Ole Miss. We are not Lane's offense. That's what Lane does. We aren't what they do. But then he said, right. but our offense is getting better every week. And he goes, it's painful for me sometimes to watch the development, but I can see it. And he said, it reminds me of our defense in 2018, where at the beginning of the year, I felt like they had a lot of growing pains. And man, look, boys, if you remember that year, the defensive unit was what became transcendent as that year went on and why they played so well at the end of the year and why they gave mm -hmm. Alabama all they wanted in Atlanta. And so for him to say stuff like that, Kirby just doesn't say stuff to say it there's there's a method to that madness and so for him to make those comments it makes me feel good number one because it means he feels good about the offense and obviously nobody got a better pulse in the program than he does so i think that's something to keep an eye on that also tells me that he's got some confidence in stetson bennett and how that offense can function with stetson well let's ask you this because boss and i've talked a bunch about this and we're interested in this are you of the belief like we are that we are not getting the full JT Daniels story? JT Daniels is quote unquote cleared, but I, we don't think he's actually healthy. I mean, what are your thoughts on that? Um, I'm glad you brought that up because um, Saturday at the game, I was on the eighth row behind the Georgia bench and I specifically made it a point to find JT Daniels as much as I could. Um, he is rarely with his helmet. He's rarely, you know, with the offensive personnel while we're, while we're on offense. You know, they always have like two or three receivers there, a couple linemen. The backup QB is always right there with the offensive staff, ready to go in if anything happens. Um, he's never around that. Um, you know, when they have a timeout and the whole offense huddles up, you know, on the hashes, he would be out there every now and then. 
Um, he's just never really around the action. He's just kind of on the sideline like anyone else. Um, so I, I just kept thinking Saturday, uh, you know, when we're, we're kind of peddling around on offense, you know, all my group messages are like, okay, is this, is this the game we make a move? And I'm just like, guys, I'm, I'm going to tell you, JT Daniels is not an option today. Like yeah. he, he, he doesn't have a headset on. He's not even like in the game plan. Um, you know, even listening to, Hey, you know, this is what we're trying to do here. You know, he, he's like I said, he's not even wearing a headset. Um, he's just kind of wandering around like a specialist a lot of times. Um, I did find it interesting though, that when, you know, after kickoffs or after, you know, at, at the half or whatever, um, he would be the one that was throwing with Stetson and a couple of receivers, not Dewan Mathis. Um, don't know what the story is there, whatever. Um, and you can just tell the way the ball comes off his hand. He's got an absolute cannon. Yeah. Like they're standing like 20 yards apart, you know, just, they're just tossing. Stetson's ball rotates like 15 times in that 20 yards. JT Daniels rotates like 54. <laughs> like, I mean, it, it, it's not necessarily like an absolute laser. It's just got more spin. It's just, it just looks tighter. You can just tell that he's got an absolute rocket. Uh, he certainly looks the part. Like he looks like a Georgia quarterback. Like he is, uh, and maybe it's just because he's standing next to Stetson, who is smaller than he looks on TV. I will say that. Um, but he's just not even around. He's not even around. Um, so yeah, I, I don't think that we're getting the whole story. Uh, I had heard somebody in the stands Saturday say that, and, and I, I remember this going around on like some message boards and stuff. But but they said that you know yeah he's been medically cleared, but the family doctor has yet to clear him. Um, so whether there's any truth to that or not, who knows? But regardless, he is not even an option in my opinion, and uh, I do think that that could lead anyone, you know, to believe that he is not completely healthy, whether it's Georgia making that decision or somebody else, that there, there's something there that, that we're not getting. And it's not just, you know, that, that Stetson has won this job and, and, and he has, but it's not just that, you know, JT is not playing because Stetson's the guy. I don't think that we know the whole story with JT Daniel Daniels. Yeah, I agree with that. I I think that's just become more and more evident week to week because, look, if ever there was a week for him to jump in, he quote-unquote is medically cleared before Auburn, and there's still uncertainty. I mean, Stetson obviously had a great second half, but, you know, it's it's a second half against Arkansas, a team you're supposed to beat, and Auburn's deep south-oldest rivalry and big game and all these things, you know, so – that that struck me as funny that it was just you know Stetson's rolling out and then at the end of the game Dwan's the one taking extra snaps and so I I don't know it that has been kind of funky I mean I think the plan all along right was that he he's the 2021 plan like that was I think that was always the case mm-hmm. um, Jamie was going to be 2020 and he was going to be 2021 and that that was I think the succession plan and obviously that got the apple cart got turned over and all that. Um, <laughs> But hey, I you know all things happen for a reason, and and maybe this was this was Stetson's team to have, and then he's obviously run with it so far. I, I do think he brings some interesting elements just because he is he is athletic, and I think there's room for that in sure. Coach Munkin's offense. And to your point, I I have liked the schemes, I've liked the things that he's done. <laughs> the the best thing for us watching it and like texting with each other has been 
there seems to be a plan, <laughs> which right, right. <laughs> has seemed to be lacking for the last couple of years. Uh, yeah, I, I think that we all kind of laughed at the the quote Kirby had a few years ago. The plan is there is yeah. no plan. Yeah, but I really believe that like there wasn't a plan. No, um, a lot of the time, and I know it was evident. Re- yes, yes, I know. I know he was mainly referring to the the fields and from you know saga there, but like it, I really think that they kind of went with no plan um in some in some situations specifically uh and then last year it just it just seemed like nobody was ever open it seemed like every ball was a contested ball and this year there's guys open they're open across the middle you know there there's guys open and a lot of times there's multiple guys open so yeah i mean i definitely think the offense has drastically improved and and i kind of you know i don't want to you know rain on stetson's parade but like i i kind of wish that we knew what this offense looked like with Jamie Newman. Yeah. Because we're continuing to do all these zone reads as our as basically our isolation running plays. Yeah. There's hardly ever a threat of the quarterback keeping it, so the defense has to think about nothing. That defensive end doesn't really have to pay attention to the quarterback at all. If Jamie Newman was the quarterback, not only does he have to pay attention to to Jamie, that's one less body crashing down in the middle that gives you know, these running backs, you know, a little bit more space. Um so I, I again, not Durant on Stetson's parade, but you know, it, as a fan thinking about what this could be, even with even with Jake Fromm and his experience um, in this offense, is exciting to think about. But specifically, Jamie Newman, somebody with a, a skill set like his, running these zone reads and 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 being able to keep the ball or let the ball go, um, I, it, I I just think that I would have no qualms about picking us to beat Alabama and, and maybe kind of, you know, take it to him a little bit. If we had a dude, I'm using air quotes here, a yep. dude at quarterback. Yep. Um, I don't want to take anything away from Stetson because I, I think that we can win with him. Um, but I would feel a whole lot better about this game in Tuscaloosa with a proven dude at quarterback uh, like Jamie Newman, because you think about the teams that have beaten Alabama in the last five years, you've had elite elite quarterback play you've had Deshaun Watson you've had Trevor you've had some dudes at quarterback and like is Stetson in that category with Deshaun Watson and Trevor Lawrence no Mm -mm. but that doesn't mean he can't get it done it's just gonna take a great effort from everybody yeah I'm glad you bring up the thing about Jamie because I actually had this thought on Sunday I was thinking about the game and I was going with this defense and I've, I have felt like there's been a specific focus within the game plan the first three weeks. This has been the most vertical feeling offense since Kirby took over, in my opinion. They yeah. are taking shots. They are using all quadrants of the field to take shots. And I just think about, you know, what was it, 2019, Jamie Newman had the highest completion percentage in all of college football over 20 yards and passes over 20 yards or something like that. I mean, the deep ball was going to be the thing he was going to excel at, you know, big arm talent, NFL arm talent, and then also has the threat of the run. Um, And, I mean, big body guy, right? Just a big dude. And, um, look, I mean, we have no idea how he would have performed against an SEC defense or any of those things, right? But the physical tools were there, and after seeing this offense for three weeks, oh boy, you could really see how he could have maneuvered in that offense, and they could have been really explosive. And I, I think the really scary thing with that is that this damn defense is so good 
so, so good that if you have an offense that you can hang your hat on knowing they're going to score 31, 35 points a night, look, ain't nobody scoring 35 points on this defense. Right. I mean, they, right. maybe nobody's going to score 24. I don't know. They're, <laughs> it, it took a 45-yard snap over the quarterback's head to get them to 21 last week, right? Like I, and, I, yeah. and us going for it, I mean, that, that tells you all you need to know. I was, I was talking to my brother about this. Kirby went for it on fourth and one on our own 36-yard line, boys. Because he was just essentially yeah. like, well, they ain't going to score on our defense anyways. I don't yeah. care if they only got yeah, 36 and I, I wasn't even that mad about that call. I mean, you're, Me you're putting that thing to bed early and like, okay, we'll give them the ball here. We don't think you can score. Yep. They made a great play. Um, you know, it is what it is. But, you know, I'm not going to sit here and like dog Kirby for going for it right there. I mean, it's in his mind, this is an inferior opponent. Um, a lot of hype coming in. I'm going to show them, you know, who the boss is. Um so I, I just I felt like maybe not a quarterback sneak with Stetson Bennett. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. But other than that, I don't mind you know going for it there. But I also I also love what he said post game because you know reporters obviously second guessing him trying to ask him about it, get him changed mind. He goes, "Look, boys, I I decided this twenty years ago. If, if it's fourth and yeah. inches, we're going for it." And I love that, right? Like as a fan, yeah. as the guy that's rooting for them, I'm like, hell yes! Like that's that's what I want. Like I love that attitude. Um, yeah, so I, I like that. You can tell, man, he just, I think he feels good about this bunch. Like his, he's been salty, but in the right way, like salty because he thinks they should be dominating more, not salty because he like, doesn't think they're good. And I don't know, man, I, I like it when Kirby's attitude is like that. So, um, all right, boys, let's pick some games. going to be kind of a weird thing because we don't know what's going to happen with the Florida game, but we're going to roll through them. First game we're picking, we were going to pick with Ray last week and it got postponed, but they're playing tomorrow night. So Coastal Carolina, Chanticleers going down to Louisiana Lafayette to play the Raging Cajuns, and the Raging Cajuns are favored by seven and a half. Who are you liking that one, Chase? Uh, I'm going to go with Coastal Carolina here. I know um... – yeah, I don't necessarily like them to win the game, but if you know, I think that they can they can stay within that number. I know Lafayette, you know, they started off hot. Um, Coastal Carolina is a, a sneaky little team, and I kind of I kind of like the Chanticleers to cover there. What do you think, boss? I'm gonna roll with Coastal Carolina. The Raging Cajuns have burned me the past couple times I picked them, so I'm gonna roll with Coastal Carolina here. If nothing for that, I'm not so sure they're gonna win, but uh, I definitely think they're gonna cover. Yep, I'm rolling with Coastal 2, boys. Um, you know, I, I love me a themed field, and uh, any program that has the the balls to put a teal field <laughs> down and play on every week, I can get I can get behind that. Also, yeah. this has nothing to do with their current administration, but like seven or eight years ago when they were still not very good before the Ameritrade guy took over, they had a head coach, and the local people down here in Charleston were interviewing him. Have you all seen this video where he talks about cats and dogs? Yes, I mean, oh, it's it, top, top five videos of all time. I think that was the week before they played us. I think it was, too. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was, yeah, too. I think it was. I mean, it's just an A-plus video on all that. Maybe we'll link that in the show notes, too, just because everybody needs a good laugh on a Wednesday. So, yes. yeah. yeah that, so, all right. Everybody's going coastal. I, I like it. All right. Friday night, BYU, the Cougars, who have looked good so far, um, are going into Houston to uh i feel like houston's had a weird year right how many how many openers did they have postponed like three or something like, like that three, yeah. yeah so well byu's favored by two and a half on the road chase who you liking that one i'm going with cougars gotcha i'm going with houston 
Um, <laughs> yeah, no, no uh, way to go wrong on that. Yeah, no, I, uh, I'm going with Houston. Um, I know BYU's been hot. Um, they, they, what are they like? They're in the top 15 or something like that. Now yep. that line is just too low for me. Um, I kind of feel like that's a fishy line. Um, I think it started off, it started off at like four and a half and now it's down to two and a half. So I'm going to go with Houston here. Who you like boss? I basically look at this as like a pick'em game, and I can't stand Holgerson, so I'm, I'm rolling with BYU. <laughs> yeah, it's like coin flip for me too. I I just feel like, um, you know, I don't know. I have no logical reason for doing this, but I'm going to take Houston um, just because they're at home and – they're obviously very well rested. <laughs> they've, played, they've played one time in the last month. So that's, yeah, that's what I'm going with. Um, all right. So Cincinnati is going to Tulsa. Cincinnati is favored by two and a half. I think I saw a graphic today um, talking about how great Cincinnati's defense is. And I'll mention this again just because it gets no less ridiculous the more I say it. Cincinnati, Desmond Howard's pick to go to the college football playoff. I never want anybody to forget that. So we're just going to keep saying that as much as we can. Um, oh, my gosh. So who are you liking that one, Chase? That makes me want to pick Tulsa even more. <laughs> exactly. um, I, I can't do it, though. Like I would be so frustrated with myself if I took Tulsa. At the line, to, again, another fishy line. Like why is that line so low? Um, I would just be so frustrated if I if I went with Tulsa and they got beat like you know thirty eight to six or something. Uh, I'm going to go with Cincinnati, even though I want Desmond Howard to be wrong on everything that he does. Same. Um, so I'm I'm going to go with Cincinnati, but I I feel dirty doing it. I like it. All right, how about you, boss? I'm going to take Cincinnati, and yeah, I agree. Desmond can yeah jump off a cliff, so I'll, I'll roll with Cincinnati on the pick though. I'm here for it. It's sky. It's skyline chili for everybody tonight. We're we're all going Bearcats. So I'm all right with that. I just feel like Tulsa. Um, yeah, I just I don't think they got the dogs to play with them. And that line's small enough where if Cincinnati can't beat Tulsa by a field goal, then Desmond ought to have to resign. Yeah, they got some issues. <laughs> All right, so this is one that we added in because the Vandy game got canceled, so we didn't have our full seven-game SEC slate. But I do think this is an interesting game. Boston College is going to Blacksburg to play Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech is favored by 10.5. I think Boston College has been one of the more surprising teams in the young season, gave UNC all they wanted. Um, And that UNC team is a good football team, great quarterback. Uh, Who do you like in that one? If you had asked me yesterday, I would have said BC. Uh, but looking at it a little bit longer, I'm taking Vatech. I'm going to lay the ten and a half. What you think, boss? If you would have asked me a week ago, before the UNC Tech game, and then even as much as I love Sam Howell, and I knew UNC was going to score points, I did not expect him to put up over fifty on Tech's defense. I'm going to roll with Boston College on this, and not to win, but to cover. I think I'm the same. I, I something about me feels good about Boston College covering that number. I do. I, I think Tech's going to win. Um, I thought they showed a lot of heart last week, down the number of players that they were down to mm-hmm. mount the comeback they did in Chapel Hill. What did they score? Uh, 21 points in like three minutes and 50 seconds last weekend in the second half. I mean, yeah. Um, you got to respect that. I look. The folks in Blacksburg are 
are restless with him, but I do think Justin Fuente is a good coach, and I think um, they just need to to let him do what he does and have a normal season. I think this would have been a, a good year for them if all things had stayed stayed normal. This wasn't 2020, the year from hell. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm going to go with Boston College. I like their quarterback, too. He's a transfer guy, wasn't he? Where, where did he come from? Didn't he transfer into BC this year? He's a grad transfer guy? Uh, Notre Dame, I'm, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, so – um, I, I like them. I like how they've been playing. And, um, yeah, we're, we'll, we'll go with the Golden Eagles. Um, all right, so up the road in Columbia, War Eagle is going to play South Carolina. Auburn is favored by three and a half on the road, noon kick. Who are you liking that one, Chase? I'm going with the uh, Gamecocks here. Um, I think that there is something funky going on in Auburn. Um, you know, I, it's, it's, a, it's really a coin flip for me, to be honest. I just think there's something funky going on in Auburn. I, I don't like Bo Nick's body language. I don't think he's into the whole Chad Morris thing for whatever reason. He looks really uncomfortable in the offense. Um, he looks like he is just ready to run for his life at any moment. Um, I, I just I just think there's just a lot of restlessness there going on the road. South Carolina needs it bad. Um, and, you know, the best recipe for anything is winning. And, and although it was Vanderbilt, you know, beating someone 41 to seven on the road, you're coming home, you're feeling good about yourself. Um, I, I like, I like South Carolina at home here. I just, I just think Auburn's got some issues right now. And, and I think, I think I like South Carolina here. What you got boss. I realistically think that if this was a normal year, that both of these coaches would get fired at the end of the season. But because of the they're just ridiculous buyouts, I think Gus is 21 and Champs is 14. They're both going to survive a year regardless of how bad they do. Uh, both of these teams are in disarray. I, realistically, as much as I don't like Knicks, I completely agree with you. Uh, I love Bigsby. I really yeah. wish he was wearing red and black. And I that's the only reason I'm picking Auburn. That is my only reason for going with them in this game. I, I don't really, I don't like anything about South Carolina right now at all. I'm taking the Gamecocks. I like Colin Hill. I think he's played well. Um, the thing that gives me pause about Auburn, I mean, look, boys, they should, should, if things had been done correctly, they should be coming off another loss to Arkansas. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that, yeah. that game, they at should home. have lost that game. That was a officiating blunder. The SEC even came out and said it was an officiating blunder. Mm-hmm. Um, and if I was if I was Pittman and the boys, I would be fired up about yeah. that. Um, so yeah, I'm going to go with South Carolina. Chase, I agree with you, man. I just something weird going on there, man. I mean, they looked horrible against us, and. Yeah. I just think a Gus Malzahn offense, I don't care if Gus is calling the plays or if Chad Morris is calling the plays or if Rhett Lash is – I don't care who's calling the plays. That offense has to have a steady running game. And, like, yes. Hank Bixby had a good coming out party last week, but they had nobody. I mean, they need a north-south guy, but they also need an east-west guy, like, you know, a la Carrion Johnson or, or whoever it's been in their litany of running backs. They don't have it. They just they don't no, have they a don't. vertical guy, and I really think if you do what Georgia did and you just say, "Look, we're taking Seth Williams out of the game, and everybody else has to beat us," they can't. Um, yeah. So I, that's not to say South Carolina's great or anything. I just think Auburn's a dumpster fire. So yeah, I, um, I just think something's going on there. Yeah, I'm gonna take SC in that too. So all right, uh, Kentucky is going on the road to Knoxville to play Tennessee. Tennessee's favored by six and a half. 
We just saw him last week. Uh, Chase, what do you think about what do you think about that ball game? Well, you know, when Alabama was starting off under Saban, you know, they they had that old, um, you know, don't let Bama beat you twice. It's the Bama effect. It seemed like everybody that played Alabama, uh, they would get so hyped for it. Even if they, you know, hung around with Alabama for a little bit, they ultimately lost. If they got blown out, whatever it was, it seems like the next week they were just sleepwalking. Um, and we are slowly but surely starting to do that to people. Um, yep. cause we've got that target on our back too. And we're just so, I mean, we're better than, than most of the teams we play. We yep. beat them up. We wear them down. Uh, we're playing so many guys that at the end of the game, you know, they're going up against the opponents going up against fresh guys and they're, they're just getting beat up. And I think, um, you know, living here in, in Tennessee, they fully expected to win that game. They weren't thinking like we are as Georgia fans going into Alabama. If this and this happens, we can hang in there. You know, we we can win this game. Th- there was no doubt about it. They were winning that game. They had the better quarterback. They had the better coordinators. They had all these things. They were winning that game. And to hang around for a little bit, you know, even though Georgia let them hang around, to absolutely get blown out uh, in the second half, I think that's a little demoralizing. And I, I do think Kentucky's a good team. Um and I probably wouldn't take Tennessee anyway, just because I hate them so much. But I'm I'm taking <laughs> Kentucky. I'm taking Kentucky here. You know, on the you know the 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 Georgia effect of you know being so up for a game, you know, getting demoralized a little bit, getting beat up. Uh, Kentucky coming off a, a a good win, albeit Mississippi State, it was a good win for them. Um, I'm going to take Kentucky in the points here. What do you think, boss? Uh, I'm going to take Kentucky in the points as well. I. <laughs> For all the talent, and I'm using air quotes here because, you know, four and five stars don't mean much when you actually get on the field, that you still have to be coached on that offensive line. The offensive line for Tennessee really has not looked well this year. And, I mean, I know Friend used to be at UGA, but he has a lot of talent to coach. Once again, air quotes, and he's just not doing much with it. And I think Kentucky has a good enough defensive line that they'll be able to get some pressure on Guarantano. And, you know, from every episode we've had – Forever talking about Guarantano, I am not a fan. So I'll take to, uh, Kentucky in the points. Yeah, I uh, I couldn't help but think of of Danny Green in the second half of the game last week. <laughs> Jared Guarantano was who we thought he was. <laughs> I mean, I think yeah. I think for the first two and a half games, he was playing above what his level is. And I think in that second half, he reverted back to the mistakes he's had throughout that tenure. I, that was the big gripe I kept hearing on the Tennessee side after the game is you got fifth-year guy here. Like, you, sh- you can't make these mistakes. Like, even if you're just taking sacks in some of those situations instead of coughing the ball up or throwing an ill-advised pass. And yeah. uh, I just think when you have a guy like that where a lot of it's mental, it takes one game to kind of start thinking about that. And he's going to see a pretty good defense again. I mean, look, Coach Stoops is going to put a good defense on the field. And I mean, boys, they they held Mike Mike Leach and the the Cowbell Pirates to two points, so uh, <laughs> six six picks. I mean, they got to be feeling pretty good about themselves. And uh, yeah, I, I like T- Kentucky. I don't know if I like them to win straight up, um, but I like them with the points on that. So I'll take Kentucky in that ball game. All right. Uh, big game in Fayetteville for Coach Pittman. Ole Miss coming to town with their high-flying offense, strength on strength, great offense versus a great defense. Ole Miss favored by two and a half against Pig Suey. Chase, who are you liking that one? Man, I keep going back and forth on this one. Like, I want to I wanna take Arkansas so bad. Um, 
you know, they they played so hard. Um, our good friend Felipe Franks is actually having a fairly decent year after after we left town. Yeah. Um, you know, and 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 I think you know, I just don't know how long that Auburn thing lingers with them. I don't know how long the Bama thing lingers with Ole Miss. Um, what I do know is Ole Miss can score, and I do know that Ole Miss does not have a defense. That's correct. Um, I'm going to go Arkansas here. Um, that is right now this second taking Arkansas. As much as I have looked at this number and looked at this game, right now this second I am going Arkansas. <laughs> I like it. Who you got, boss? I really want to take Arkansas. I love Pittman. But there's just there's just too much talent and speed on the offensive side for Ole Miss. Uh, I just I feel like they they're gonna win this one. I think it's gonna be close for for three quarters, and I think they're gonna pull away at the end. I saw an incredible stat over the weekend. I can't remember if it was on Twitter or if uh, I had seen it on maybe one of the shows on Sunday. But there was some stat that it was possible for every drive they had that the maximum amount of offense that Alabama could have had in Saturday night's game was like 734 yards and they gained like 689 yards. So Ole Miss's defense literally almost gave up all the yards it was possible for them to give up in a four quarter football game. (laughs) That, that may be the most incredible stat I've yeah, ever seen. Yeah, I was like, that is an amazing, amazing stat. So, But the problem is their offense is fireworks. Like, yeah, Matt oh, yeah. Corral is must-see TV. Like, I want to watch that kid play. Um, yeah, And Lane is just a zoo. I mean, he's an absolute zoo at all times. Like, I mean, just throwing <laughs> comments out all week. He's on Twitter Monday going, that's Rat Boys and Paul. <laughs> like, I mean, he's yeah. just an, he's an absolute electric factory. Like Boss has said this a hundred times, but the world is owed a real SEC media days with Lane Kiffin and Mike Leach on the same stage. Just I would I would pay yes. admission to see that. It would be excellent, excellent entertainment. Um, so all that being said, uh, I think it's going to be a great ball game. I will probably watch it as the lead up to the Dogs game, but I'm going to go with Ole Miss just because they're just so high flying and. I just think yeah. they're going to roll. I, I do think Arkansas has a very good defense, and we talked about this a little bit last week with Ray, that we are so prone to overreact to week one. So, like, dogs don't look pretty pedestrian in the first half against Arkansas, and everybody goes, oh, my God, Georgia's going to stink. Arkansas is awful. They haven't won an SEC game since 1993. And really, Arkansas looked pretty good. I mean, their defense has been formidable. Um, and, you know, yeah. you got all-name guy Bumper Pool leading the way. Like I like I said like I said oh, last yeah. week he's what he's straight out of pitch perfect casting just uh just to, and all, all that boy does is tackle he sings acapella and he tackles that's all he does so yeah they're uh that's gonna be a fun one all right this is the one we have no idea if it's gonna happen now with the news today but LSU is supposed to go to the swamp and play Florida um, Florida's favored by thirteen and a half I hope they do play this game because this is a fascinating number to me but um, Chase who yeah. you liking this one if they play. You know, all logic tells you to take LSU because that that series is just such a you know a a, a tight series. Um, everything tells you LSU, but that number being so high in my recreational experience, making picks <laughs> like this and only picks like this, tells me that Florida must be about to put a number on LSU. Um, so I'm going to go with the Gators here. Um, I would love it if they got beat again. 
Um, I just think LSU is an absolute wreck on defense right now. And this is going to be one of those those games, like the first two games for Florida, where everyone's just like, oh, my gosh, Florida is unbeatable. Uh, but I think it's really going to be a product of who they're playing uh, more than anything. I, I haven't been that impressed with LSU's offense. I know they put up some some points, um, but I also think it's a product of who they've played. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. Something, something's just kind of stinky with LSU, uh, just like Auburn. But that that line being just just really gaudy. I'm going to go with Florida. Who you like, boss? I'd really like to know who the six to nineteen people that are affected with COVID are um, that are not going to play if True. the game is played. Uh, That's a good point. Yeah, very good point. Both of these defenses, regardless of who they're playing, I mean, Florida did give up a ton of yards to South Carolina, whose offense is middle of the pack. LSU's offense is middle to lower end of the pack as well. I I don't think either one of these defenses are good, but LSU does have Derek Stingley, who is probably one of the best, if not the best defensive backs in the country. I think LSU would cover but i don't think they're gonna win and i think it'd be one of those ones where they score probably a garbage touchdown late to cover it's not gonna be they'll be down by you know 20 and score one to make it 13 like it's not gonna be it's not gonna be as close as the score i can totally see that this has all the makings of a possible track meet right like if unless lsu is playing vandy their defense has been like swiss cheese i mean Uh, Missouri, Missouri just lit them up like a Christmas tree. Um, and that was with Derek Stingley. Like I, I gave him some grace for the Mississippi State thing because he didn't play. So I was kind of like, well, you know, they didn't have their stud. Like I get that because you, you lose that centerpiece and things are a little funky. They feel a little off. But like, I'm, I don't know, man, that something, something ain't right with them. And look, this has been said, but this is real. They lost a ton of talent. I mean, they essentially had an NFL team last year. They had so many dudes oh my on that squad. Yes. So, like, you know, maybe maybe this is a product of the expectations just being out of bounds because of how good they were last year. I mean, look, they had no reason being ranked as high as they were ranked. If you had any rational eyes looking at this, the unproven quarterback, tons of losses on the offensive side of the football to the NFL, tons of losses on the defensive side of the NFL, and that defense – wasn't really exemplary all of last year, even with a lot of those guys. So I don't know. It's a weird game. Chase, I tend to agree with you that, that this. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Lost their defensive coordinator, lost their offensive coordinator. I mean, a lot of, a lot of shuffle there. You just never like to see that. Um, I kind of tend to agree with Chase too, though. The number being what it was, yeah. Makes me feel weird. It's like Vegas going, take LSU, just take. Them. <laughs> In my recreational <laughs> opinion, that is true. Also, <laughs> um, so yeah, it, let, let's caveat all this, which I guess we just have to make the pick regardless. But if Florida's healthy, I think they probably cover that number, um, even though their defense is yes. world class trash. Let's just say that. I mean, their defense stinks. Uh, I mean, I love it because I love seeing Grantham's defense stink. Hey, this is this is a battle of uh, for DBU, you know, and both of these teams stink defensively. Right. Defensively, that's right. Real quick, 
did anyone see the uh the, did anyone see the fake report that came out today that Grantham got fired in Bleacher Report actually took they it reported and ran it. with it? They it. retweeted it and ran with it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it was great. He probably got another it was great. raise. He probably got another raise actually. <laughs> um yeah. Yeah, that that's a weird one. I I don't know. I mean, I'm just interested to see if it even happens now. Because again, I don't I don't know how you pause football activities on a Tuesday and play. Yeah, a NFL's on a, a different deal. I mean, I can see how they're they're getting you know these games squeezed in a, a day or two later. But with college, it's just a different it's a different animal. Um, yeah, I'm with you. Yeah. If if Florida plays and they're healthy, and I'm going to stick with my pick no matter what. But if they play and they're healthy, I I, I think that they cover. Um, you're right. The caveat is is who's who's got the COVID. Who's who's got. Um, the deal and who's going to be out. Yeah. If Kyle Pitts and Kyle Trask aren't playing, I'm going to change my pick real quick. <laughs> yeah. I think Vegas, I think Vegas is going to alter their line too. So yeah, we'll exactly. do a whole other episode on that. Yeah. Well, I'll get a mulligan on that one. All right. So, um, a and M the 12th man is going to Stark Vegas to play Mike Leach and the cowbell pirate ship. Mississippi state is a mess right now. You got Mike Leach, who seems to be one of the more even-tempered dudes on the planet, coming out and say he might have to start cleaning house with the malcontents in the program. Yeah, I, I thought that was an explosive statement. But they looked horrendous on Saturday, so I'm not faulting him for saying it. I'm just saying outside of his character to say something that kind of adversarial, shall we say. Um, I'm just used to him talking about like pirates in Key West, so <laughs> it was yeah. it was just a change from the norm. Um, I think Texas A&M's thing too is how do they handle the success of that big win? Um, you know, Kellen Mond has talked about it being a program turner for for them, and I know the national media has been all over it now, saying that A&M has the easiest path from here on out to Atlanta in the West. Which I mean, give me a break. Um, but that's what it is. So Texas A&M favored by six and a half on the road against Mississippi State. Who are you liking that one, Chase? Aggies, big. Yeah, I think Kellen Mond. Um, I was super impressed with him last week or last year when we played him. Big arm. He's a big dude too. Um, yeah, that was his best game by far for sure. Um, I just think a, a state is just a disaster. Like you said, with Leach saying that, uh, that's that's interesting that he would say something like that. It must be it must be pretty bad down there. So, um, how you follow up beating LSU with back to back losses? I don't know, and having uh, just based on that alone, I cannot take Mississippi State. So I like the Aggies big. All right, boss. I'm so interested to hear where you're going to go with this. Chase Boss been riding the Mississippi State wagon all year. I mean, just been, just been, <laughs> love, just been, love, just been, just been Team Leech. It's team time leech. to hop off. <laughs> I did. I heard an interesting set. Leach is four and eight in his last game, uh, yeah, twelve games. So I am going to go with the Aggies. And not necessarily because Mississippi State is such a disaster, but they are a disaster. But Jimbo finally has his signature win at A&M, and he has to follow that up with a bit, not just a big win, because this isn't really a big program win, but a convincing, yeah, you know, demolishing of a, of, an, of a lesser program. They can't just come out and do another Vandy game where it's a 17-12, because then all the questions are going to start again. They have to come out and be convincing in this win. And it cannot be close. Like, the start-to-finish domination. Otherwise, they're right back where they were before the Florida game. Yeah, I'm going to take a in this, too. I, I loved how 
Spiller looked last weekend. I thought he had a big ball game. I thought he was kind of the turning point for them in the second half. Um, they had a statement drive where he had like 45 or 46 yards and just kind of turned the tide. And Florida looked like they were ready to quit after he ran all over them. And who's the kid they got to plays tight end? Uh, Watermeyer or I can't remember the kid's name. He had a great uh, yeah. game against us yeah. last year. He's a really, really good player. I think he's yeah. a matchup nightmare. Um, and I think he's a great security blanket for Kellen Mond. Um, I don't know. I, I was I was impressed with them last week. I, I thought they showed a lot of guts to stay in that game and, and kind of roll with it. Um, so, yeah. Also, the kid that they have, I can't remember what number he is. I think it was number 11. Maybe it was number two. Their linebacker, the guy who forced the fumble at the end of the game, he had gotten eaten up all game long. It's one of those things where you're just watching it going, oh, man, I don't have any dog in this fight, but I feel so bad for this kid because he was just getting burned all day. Like, was just getting owned by Florida's running backs in the flats. He was getting beat to the corner. And then he makes the biggest play of the game, right? Um, but yeah. I, I just – I think A&M is in a much better position uh, as a program this week. Um, Mississippi State is – that bandwagon they trotted out after week one is now a, a, a Oregon Oregon Trail fire. They did not they did not ford the river with that uh, with with that no, bandwagon. No, so every that, that's about where they're at. All right, how many people listening to this do you think got the uh, Oregon? Trail I don't know, reference? but if they didn't, then they need to tune in. They need to remake that for like my, my son got a Nintendo Switch. Yeah. Like they should make that for Nintendo Switch. Like. Yeah, it's their problem if they don't get that because that was that was that's an excellent game. Uh, that is that is yeah. that is generationally excellent. I don't care who plays it; you can't not love that. And it's and it's also better on a floppy disk in like a sixth grade computer lab. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the DOS yeah. screen, black that's screen, right. green cursor blinking. Yeah. Um, all right, <laughs> let's let's get the brass tacks here. This is the real one, boys. Prime time, Bryant Denny Stadium. The ghost of Bear Bryant everywhere. All that nasty hound's tooth we're going to see on TV. Um, dogs are going to try and get rid of some ghosts. Uh, Alabama's favored by the number I had last when I made this sheet was five and a half. Um, Chase, who you like? Well, I can't get on here and pick Alabama. Um, you know, I, <laughs> I like I, it. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> we've shown we can beat these guys. We can, we can play with them. You know, I, I was talking to some of my buddies uh, this week about it. I mean, do we think this Alabama offense is better than Joe Burrow and that offense last year? No. no. Um, they're good. They're very good. I don't think they're as good as Joe Burrow and LSU last year. I think we're mm-hmm. better defensively than we were last year. And mm-hmm. truthfully, we gave them all they wanted in that first half last year. I mean, we held them to 17, and they were getting like 35 on people at halftime in yep. the playoff. Um so I think I think that we can play with them on defense. Like I said earlier, the matchup to me is Georgia's offense against Alabama's defense. Is, is that the Alabama defense? Is that just what they are now? They just they give up 28, 30 points a game against you know competent offenses. Is that what they do? That's what I'm interested to see. Um, I'm going to take the dogs to cover. I'm going to take the dogs to win. I got jackpot, jackpot at the horn, dogs by three. I love it. Who you got, boss? I am the eternal pessimist. You know this, That's and true. I am picking the I am picking the dogs to cover and to win. I love it. This is a mental hurdle that, as we were, as you mentioned earlier, the staff, the the fan base, the program has to get over at some point. Beating the ghost of Alabama 
And I completely agree with, with you. It's our offense versus their defense. And I feel like that if the offensive line is settled, whatever five starts this week, if that five, like it plays like they did against Auburn, we win this game. And I think it's going to be pretty, I don't think it's going to be a blowout, but I think it's going to be a lot more convincing than people think. I would have picked them last week. I would have picked them on August 1st. I would have picked them on April 15th. No doubt I'm picking the dogs, but let me just tell y'all this. When Nick Saban is coming out in his post-game press conference against lowly Ole Miss and accusing the opposing coaching staff of stealing their signals, and that's why his defense played so poorly, I'm just telling y'all something. I love that. I love that. That's weakness. I'm all about I that weakness. Agree. I, you can just spoon feed me that like a bowl of ice cream. I'm here for it all day, baby. <laughs> and so with him saying all that kind of mess, I love it. They're, they're a zoo right now in defense. And Stetson is mobile enough to give them problems. He is mobile enough to extend plays, get outside the pocket. Because look, boys, I'm going to tell you something. He made two plays this year that made me from, hey, this is a great story to, hold up, this dude makes some plays. Let me tell you something. The first one was that jailbreak blitz against Auburn where he rolls left and throws a dart to Kiaris running away from his throwing arm. That's an A-plus play. I don't care who you are. I don't care how tall you are. That's an incredible play. Second one was Saturday night where still a tight ball game. He looks the defense off to the left and then comes back and finds Kiaris down the hash for the touchdown. Look, man, those were quarterback plays. Like, I like that. I like where he sits going into this game. I think, though, the pivotal matchup for George is a running back. Our running back position has got to create some explosive plays. And I'm going to tell you something, boys. It's been the tale of two running backs with Zamir White. I've seen plenty of Zamir. I'm ready to see Zeus. I need the God of Thunder to come out and be electric on Saturday night. That's what I'm ready for, okay? Um, And if he can't do it, I said this on our reaction show. I have been driving the Kenny McIntosh bus for as long as I can remember. Boss has all the receipts. And <laughs> he needs to see the football as much as possible because he just makes plays. And Kendall Milton looking like baby Chubb. I mean, he is. He, he is built like a grown man, and he runs tough. So running backs need to make some plays. I'm with you, Chase. We have got to get number one involved. George Pickens is too good of a player, too talented of a player to not involve him. I don't care if we have to start doing some motion with him, moving him up the hash. I don't know what we have to do with him, but he has got to touch the football. Um, So that's very interesting to me. Uh, I also think special teams are going to be big. Our special teams has been phenomenal. I think this is an opportunity for Scott Cochran to go back to Tuscaloosa and say, look, y'all didn't want to give me a shot to be a coach on the field. Look what I can do. I think special yeah. teams are going to come out and be fired up. I think they're going to make a play, whether that's a block punt or a big return. Something big is going to happen on special teams for the dogs. I love the dogs. I love the way they sound. I love the way they have looked together. They are playing as a unit. Love Tyson Campbell running over during the CBS postgame interview. Right behind Stetson going, the mailman delivers. Like I, I love all of that. I just think culturally things are good. We talked about the D-line celebrating with Jalen after he scored last week. I just feel like this is very much a unit, very much a team in a lot of ways. Feels very much like 2017. Um, I am fired up. Fired up. 
to see what the dogs do on Saturday night. So I'm proud of you boys. Way to stick to your guns there and go dogs. I love it. Just, just let it all hang out there. Uh, I'm here. Yeah, for y'all it. got, y'all got me ready to drive to Tuscaloosa right now. Let's I do mean, it, man. <laughs> straight down 65, bang a right, camp out for a couple of days. Hell yeah, man. man. I told boss before the show, my brother's trying to coax me into to driving out there on Friday night. We're going, we're going to see what happens on that, but um, <laughs> I don't know. We're gonna have I to, hope y'all do it. We're going to have to game plan on that. He's, he's fixing to go, man. He lives in Charlotte and he said he's stir crazy. So we, we might end up in Tuscaloosa on Saturday night. Um, awesome. Well, Chase, we certainly appreciate you coming on the show, brother. Uh, enjoy talking ball with you and certainly enjoy talking dogs. Um, like I said, we will, uh, we'll, we'll post everything in the show notes. So everybody can go light up seven, six and, and buy as much red and black apparel as possible. Um, and Hey man, you're welcome back with us anytime. Hey, I appreciate it. This was awesome. Um, love, love talking dogs, but I I also love, uh, making some recreational picks and, uh, yeah, definitely appreciate the support with seven, six. Uh, we we couldn't do it without, without all, all our awesome uh, fans and and the guys that support us and gals that support us. But yeah, we wouldn't be able to do it if, if it wasn't for folks like yourselves out there, uh, purchasing stuff from us so we definitely appreciate it we feel it and uh you guys definitely make us want to keep keep uh, pumping the stuff out so certainly appreciate it yeah brother thank you man well as we always say each week go dogs sick them go ooh, dogs ooh, ooh, ooh. george is better now